the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Philip here. Philip should have said, hey, I've done the math, and this is an an impossible situation for us. It's not an impossible situation for you, Lord. You know, with you, all things are possible. And I saw what you did at Bethsaida, how you healed that guy. I saw how you turned the water to wine at Cana. And you can do whatever you want, Lord. It doesn't really matter what the math says with you, Lord. You, you can do whatever you want. Who cares what the calculator says? Are you a dreamer or a voice of reason? Most of us can put ourselves into one of those camps, while some fall somewhere in between. All too often, we allow reason to overwhelm our ability to hope and dream, especially in matters of faith. As Pastor Dan leads us through our study of John chapter 6 in today's message, we'll witness Jesus doing the impossible once again. He takes a boy's lunch and turns it into a feast for thousands. What areas in your life does God want to do a lot with a little? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. at Philip's response in verse 7. How does Philip handle this test? Philip answered him, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have just a little bit. Here's what Philip does. Philip does what we often do in that same situation. Philip, facing this test, he got his calculator out and he started making his calculations and adding everything up. And looking at the numbers. And after adding everything up and doing all of his calculations, Philip concluded, it's impossible. Did you ever make that conclusion about a situation you're in? It's impossible. This is never going to work. We're never going to get out of this. We're going to lose everything. I've done the calculations. I can show you the spreadsheet. That's what Philip does. He gets his calculator out. He does all of his calculations and, and he concludes, hey, if we had 200 denarii, we still wouldn't have enough for everybody just to have a little bite. Now, a denarii was a day's wage for a common labor. It's kind of like minimum wage. Uh, so 200 denarii, that's about eight months worth of income for you know, a minimum wage employee. So you know, let's just put a number on it. Let's say it's $20,000. Whatever the number is, it doesn't really matter. They ain't got it. They're not even close to it. Philip knows that. We don't have that kind of money. We can't feed all these people. We don't have anywhere near enough 
for all of these people. And I, and I, don't, I don't believe that Philip is exaggerating here. I don't think Philip is, is being a drama queen about this. I, I think that you know, he's the, accountant, the accounting type. He's, he's the calculator type. He did a quick survey of the size of the crowd. He thought about how much would it cost to feed this many people. And he did the calculations. And he determined it's impossible. It's not even worth trying. It's not even worth discussing. Because it's just impossible. There's no point of us even going forward in this direction. Because there's no way it can work out. Because it's just impossible. Philip can show you the math. He can prove to you that it can't be done. Philip, listen, Philip figured it out, but he didn't figure Jesus in. And that's his mistake. And you and I can fall into that same trap where we, where we trust in ourselves and our own reason and our calculations and our facts and our figures and the numbers. And we do all of our math, and we do all of our calculations, and we conclude, well, it's impossible And I can show you the paperwork. I can show you the numbers that prove to you that it's impossible. It'll never work. There have been several occasions in our marriage uh, where I did the calculations. Where my, my wife and I talked about something, doing something, buying something, needing something. And, and, and I was Philip the calculator. And I, well, I, I did, you know, the money's not there. There's no way. And my wife would say, well, let's just pray and ask the Lord. And I would say, you know, there's no, there's no point. Because I'll tell you, there was one time, to my spiritual shame, uh, we were in the car having this kind of conversation. And I was, you know, trying to impart my great wisdom to my wife and say, you don't understand. I've looked at the numbers. There's no possible way. And she kept saying, well, let's just pray and see what the, you know. And I said, there's no reason because we're not even close. And I finally said, just to drive the point home, as we're driving to our house, I said, somebody would just have to, like, give us money for us to be able to do this. We drive into our driveway. We go up to our door. And there's a note on our door from our landlord saying, the Lord told me not to charge you rent next month. So you don't have to pay me rent. And my wife said, well, somebody just gave us money, right? (laughs) But see, I had figured it out, but I didn't figure Jesus in. Jesus changes the whole equation. With Jesus, it doesn't really matter what the numbers are or what the math is. Now, I think it's important to be wise. I think it's important to count the cost of things. Of course, we don't want to be foolish, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we are walking by faith and not by sight. And Philip, Philip here, Philip should have said, hey, I've done the math, and this is an, is an impossible situation for us, but it's not an impossible situation for you, Lord. You know, with you, all things are possible. And I saw what you did at Bethsaida, how you healed that guy. I saw how you turned the water to wine at Cana, and you can do whatever you want, Lord. It doesn't really matter what the math says with you, Lord. You, you can do whatever you want. The, you know, who cares what the calculator says? Now, I want you to turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 3. And this is a, a, a few verses that probably many of you know. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 tells us to lean not on our own understanding. Don't lean on your calculations and your facts and your figures and your statistics and your research. That's walking by sight. That's not walking by faith. Again, it's important to be responsible. I'm not saying be reckless. But I am saying don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Trust in him and just allow him to direct your path. Again, I I think that Philip was probably accurate in his assessment. It would cost $20,000 to just give everybody a little bit. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Philip, Philip did the opposite of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. He leaned on his own understanding and he didn't trust the Lord. And so often that's what we do. And so often because of that, because of that, we just conclude it's impossible. So let's not even discuss it. And let's not even try. Because there's no way it can work out. And we don't factor Jesus Christ into the equation. Now go back to John chapter 6. Look at verse 8. So first we've got Philip and how he failed the test. Now we've got Andrew. And look at what Andrew does here. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew is always known as Simon Peter's brother. I mean, did any of you have like an older brother, older sister uh, that was just popular or super athletic uh, or super attractive or all of the above, like I had, you know, uh, that you were always, oh, you're his little brother. You know, I was always known as Mike's little brother growing up. So I, I feel for Andrew because he's Simon Peter's brother. And he said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Uh, so first you've got Philip. Now you've got Andrew, and it seems here, as soon as Andrew said the words, he knew that it was useless. He knew that it was foolish. There's a a little boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish, but but what are they among so many? Forget that I even brought it up. I feel stupid for even mentioning it now. Of course, you can't do anything with that. Again, this is another trap that we can fall into, this, this trap that Andrew fell into, the trap of thinking what I have is so small and so inadequate and so insufficient and so insignificant, I can't do anything with it. And so I'm not even going to bring it to the table. I'm not even going to bring it out. I'm not even going to try because it's, it's ludicrous to think that this could do anything. Whether this could work. What you have may not be much, but if you add Jesus to the equation, it's a lot. Jesus can do a lot with a little. What you have to do is you gotta you gotta bring it out by faith and just put it out there and see what the Lord does with it. Put it in his hands. If you put it in his hands, he can multiply it. And yes, it's insufficient, but in the Lord's hands, he can do great things with it. But again, I think so often we can be like Andrew and say, well, I'm not even going to try. 
because it just seems so foolish to even offer this. I'm not even going to put it out there because, of course, it's not going to work. It's not going to be enough. Both Philip and Andrew failed to factor Jesus in to the equation. And we can fall into the same trap as Philip and the same trap as Andrew. So, verse 10, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And I I love this here. Jesus didn't tell the disciples what he was going to do about their impossible situation. He told the disciples, have everyone sit down. And the disciples obeyed the Lord by faith. They didn't know what Jesus was going to do. And they didn't question Jesus. That's important to note. They didn't question Jesus. They didn't say, why are we having everybody sit down? We don't have any food. What's the point? They didn't say, what's the plan? Before we have everybody sit down, why don't you tell us what you're going to do so that we're not embarrassed here by asking everybody to sit down? they, They just, you know, okay, he's asked us to have everybody sit down, and they just obeyed the Lord by faith. And that's what you do. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. When you're facing an impossible situation that doesn't seem like there's a solution to it, and what you have is an inadequate and insufficient to meet the need, you just obey the Lord and whatever the Lord's telling you to do. What is the Lord telling you to do? Well, he's asking me, telling me to tell people to sit down. We'll do that and just see what happens. But again, so often what we do is we're so stuck on it's impossible, there's no point, or we're stuck on what I have isn't enough. We don't get beyond that. Just obey the Lord. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do, do that. So Jesus told the disciples to make the people to sit down. In verse 10, now there was much grass in the place. Now Mark's gospel tells us it was green grass. I point this detail out to you because we know that it's, it's Passover time. Passover is in the springtime. The grass in the Galilee is very green and lush in the springtime. Later in the summer, the desert winds come in and dry up the grass and the grass is brown. Uh, and so the, the details here are correct. I like that. So he tells them to sit down in the grass. There's much grass in that place. And so the men sat down and number about 5,000. That doesn't include women and children. Again, 10, 20,000, maybe more. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, God is good. God is great, right? He distributed them to the disciples and then the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So Jesus gives thanks for the bread and the fish. He prayed. The traditional prayer that Jews prayed was, Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That's a, he's, It's a prayer of faith. You got 20,000 people sitting there. And I'm sure for those disciples, 
they're thinking, <laughs> you've got five, you know, five English muffins and two fish. And you've got all these people. And I don't, maybe the crowd's asking the disciples, hey, what, what's for lunch? You'll see. You know, and what do you say? You're walking by faith. And, and sometimes, have you noticed this when you're walking by faith? Sometimes the Lord takes you right up to the edge before he comes through. That's what he does here with these disciples. He prays. Everyone says amen. And then he starts to give the bread and the fish to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people that were sitting in the grass. And, and the bread is just, it's multiplying. The fish is multiplying. It's not, it's not running out. This is, a, this is a creative act. This is something that only God can do. Showing that Jesus is God here. And look what it says at the end of verse 11. All the people ate as much as they wanted. Now go back to verse 7. And what Philip said in verse 7, verse 7, Philip said, you know, $20,000 won't buy even just a little bite for people to eat. Jesus gave them as much as they wanted to eat. Jesus, Philip didn't see a way to provide the minimum. Jesus provided the maximum. Jesus did, as, as Paul says, exceedingly abundantly above all they thought according to his riches, right? Not their own riches, according to his riches. Way beyond what they imagined would happen. That's what the Lord does. Look at verse 12. So when they were filled, and the word filled there is glutted. They're stuffed. They couldn't eat another bite. I mean, can, can you picture, you know, 20,000 people, you know, lying on a grassy hillside after a big meal, you know, falling asleep, taking a nap after this huge dinner that Jesus provided. And here, Philip was thinking, we, we can't even provide a couple bites for people. This is never going to work. This is impossible. So they were all filled. And Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. So now each of the disciples has his own to-go box to take with him. Now why 12 baskets? 12 baskets because 12 is the number of the tribes of Israel. If you're a note taker, uh, there's another occasion when Jesus fed the crowds. There's a second feeding, if you will, that's recorded in the Gospels, in Matthew 15, also in Mark chapter 8, if you're taking notes. On that occasion, the second feeding, Jesus, it says, fed 4,000 men, plus women and children. And at the end of that, well, he fed with seven loaves and a few fish, it says. And that second feeding, that took place in a region called the Decapolis, which was a Gentile region, where the Gentiles lived. And at the end of that feeding, the disciples collected, it says, seven large baskets. So with this feeding here in John 6, there's 12 baskets left over. In that other feeding that's in the Gentile area, there's seven large baskets left over. Why seven baskets? Deuteronomy 7.1, Acts 13.19 tell us that there were uh, seven Gentile nations that lived in the promised land 
when the children of Israel came into the land. So you've got 12 baskets for the 12 tribes of Israel. You've got seven baskets for the seven Gentile nations. Jesus is the bread of life for the Jews. Jesus is the bread of life for the Gentiles. Jesus is the bread of life for everyone. Jew and Gentile alike. So they gather up all these baskets. They've got 12 baskets of leftovers. Verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Deuteronomy 18. Moses promised that another prophet would come like him to lead the children of Israel. Remember, it's, it's Passover time. They're thinking about Passover. They're thinking about how God had sent a deliverer to deliver their ancestors before them out of their slavery and Egypt. Now they think Jesus is the prophet that Moses promised would come to deliver us again. He's the second Moses, uh, which they were right. He is that prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy 18. But verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived, look what it says, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. So they're going to come, they're going to take him by force, and they're going to carry him down to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they're going to declare that he's their king. And he perceived that they were going to do that. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. They, They wanted to make Jesus their king and their deliverer who would deliver them from Roman rule, just like Moses delivered their ancestors out of Egypt. Again, they're coming to Jesus for the wrong reasons. Now, Jesus will come again, the Bible tells us. You know that? Jesus is coming again. When he comes again, he's going to come, the Bible says, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will establish his kingdom here on the earth. But when he came the first time, he came to be their savior. Not their king. He came to be their savior. They, they needed a savior. And they needed to receive Jesus as their savior before they can receive him as their king. And so Jesus departed from them because he didn't want them to make him king. He wanted them to receive him as savior. So have you received him as savior? Is Jesus Christ your savior? Have you trusted in him to save you from your sins? That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he shed his blood to save us. And so Jesus now departs from this crowd. And the story will continue on next week. And we have in this story the example of Philip. And we have the example of Andrew. Don't be like Philip. Don't always make your calculations and determine It's impossible, so impossible it's not worth trying. And don't be an Andrew. Don't be the kind of person that says, what what I have is insufficient. What I have is inadequate. Because here's the thing. God likes to take inadequate people to do impossible things for his glory. That's what he does. That's what he's about. So don't be like Philip and don't be like Andrew. Trust the Lord. With all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and allow him to direct your path. He asked me how I know. 
The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.